All Over the Road New Orleans is brought to you by Coin Trader Inc. Mind your money and recorded in front of a live studio audience. Here we go! First time in in Louisiana. Maybe we can go on down to New Orleans. It is another All Over the Road podcast from New Orleans. Yeah, um, I'd like to try the the, the Bowden. Oh, it's a Boudin. Boudin? 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 It's hot here. <laughs> Mardi Gras is only that one day, right? A whole month. You know, we could take you on a ride here, a ride there, a ride over there. But on today's show, it's Scott McKay. And he's going to take you on a... Every time we have Scott McKay on the show, Teddy, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big event because Scott McKay is an author, not just on the political scene, which he's an expert, but novels. He's just got a mind. He's just got a mind that never stops. And when we have him on the show, he knows a little bit about everything, probably a lot about everything. And I call him Mr. Know-it-all. I've just nicknamed him. I would uh, definitely agree with that. I mean, you ask him one question, just let him go. <laughs> yeah, he knows Just everything. let him go, and he just, you know, and you just got to cut him off and get he, another word. He knows it all. That's the way it does. is. Yeah, yeah. He's he knows good, it all. Yeah. You know, my mother used to say that to me. What do you think? Yeah, Mr. Know-it-all. Yeah, I wonder if his mom told him, Scott. Yeah. You know it all, don't you, Scott? Are you Mr. Know-it-all? We can ask like him. That. First question. Yeah. We're going to ask him if he's Mr. Know-it-all. All right, Scott McKay, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. No video? No, but you know these technical difficulties. And, you know, I they blame it on us. I blame it on I blame it on Gina is what I do. I mean, on Gina. I, I, I put on a nice shirt. I was all fired up about this. I know. I was looking forward to seeing what you look like. I, I, I don't think I've ever yeah, seen I gotta, you. I mean, I would like yeah. take this off and go hang it up so I can uh, use it again. I mean, ever since we had the Rougarou <laughs> guy, I need you know what the Rougarou is, don't you, Scott? You're yeah. from Louisiana. The, the Rougarou. Yeah, Rougarou. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah, had absolutely. him on a few weeks back, and I think he. Uh, Jinxed it all or something. Put some kind of spell on it. I don't know. I don't well, know. ever since the Rougarou, we've yeah. been having technical problems. Right? Did, did you know the story well, about the Rougarou? They say that if you're ever bitten or scratched or maimed by the Rougarou, you cannot tell anybody that that happened for a year and a day, Scott, or you become an actual Rougarou. Did you know that one? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it seems to me there's probably reality TV money in being a Rougarou, so I don't yeah. know if anybody could hold it. Uh-oh, now you got me going here. You know, um, the thing is, is that uh, my mother used to say stuff. To, I was just telling Teddy, my mom used to say stuff to me like, you know what, Victor, what do you think you're Mr. Know-it-all? You think Mr. you know no- everything. You know you know everything, you're Mr. Know-it-all. But you know what, I, I, I officially think that you are, if there's ever a guy walking around this earth in the flesh that is a Mr. Know-it-all, it is Mr. Scott McKay, our frequent guest on the program. He's doing a book tour. He's all over television and podcasts. So now you got something to do with Wilco? Wilco? It was you, you were just on yeah, Andrew yeah. Wilkow, right? On, uh, he, yeah, I was, I was just on, well, I wasn't on with Wilkow. I was yeah. actually Tim Young, who's a, actually an old buddy of mine, wow. uh, is guest hosting. And so, uh, you know, Timmy had me on, but uh, I did Lars Larson yesterday. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that's good. Now, is he in relation to Willy Wonka, the chocolate guy? No. No. Sorry. Well, how's no, the book doing much. there, Scott? The Revivalist Manifesto. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's bouncing along. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's an adventure trying to sell a book. I'll just say that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a, uh, there's a million of them out there and, um, you know, everybody's hawking theirs. And so you're really in a lot of competition for an audience of, you know, people that are really busy and they'll buy your book and you're like, well, tell me how you, you know, tell me what you thought of it. And then three weeks later, it's like, oh yeah, I'm on chapter six. I'm like, I know it's not that hard to read. It's like, oh, I just don't have time. So we're, we're yeah. actually in the process of, I got a, I got a really good guy from actually who's somewhat local, Kevin Gallagher from here in Baton Rouge. Oh, I know. Is KC. Working, I used to work you, with him. Yeah, radio. yeah. KG. Yeah. So, and, and you know that like Kevin has like the voice of God. Yeah. And so he's, he's actually doing the voiceover for the audio book, which mm. uh, should by, by hopefully Halloween we'll have it done. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the audio book's going to be available for folks that, you know, like don't have time to read. And like everybody I talk to is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like listening to audio books when I'm in the car yeah, because I'm yeah. I, like, I'm so tired of FM radio mm-hmm. and, you know, Rush Limbaugh is gone and right. like the whole bit. So like everybody's reading audio books or listening to audio books and we needed one. So 
Gallagher stepped in and I already heard the first couple of chapters and they're freaking awesome. Yeah, so can't great. wait for the audiobook to come out. So it's going to be neat. Well, the reviews have been very good. I see you've got them all on your uh, website, of course. Five. <laughs> yeah, everybody who, yeah, uh, everybody who, yeah, well, everybody who uh, mm-hmm. has reviewed it on Amazon that actually read the book <laughs> is giving it mm-hmm. five. I got two Democrats that didn't read it that like, like, oh, I'm going to go screw him up on his reviews. And uh, I got a yeah, one star right. and a two star. And yeah. it's like, I hate that. Well, you know, and I, I, I'll be honest. I respect the one star guy more than the two star guy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, what are you doing? Right. Give me star a, review. An honest opinion. Give me right. The, right. Get, well, I mean, it's not even an honest opinion because they didn't read the book. But if you well, hate yeah. me, go ahead yeah, and hate yeah. me. If you're right? going to jam a guy, jam him good. You know? Um, exactly. Now, now, look, get I've, your money's worth for crying out loud. Scott, Scott this is Victor speaking. I. If I were a great interviewer uh, host, that which I should be, I would have read the book by now. I have to admit, I have not, but I did order it last night. All right, off of there Amazon. There you go. So it is coming. So by the next time we talk to you, I would have read the book. Well, okay. I'm, I, I don't well, read very often, so I'm going to wait for the audio book. <laughs> you would. There you would. go. There well, you go. But now you got yeah. another thing I'll coming well, up. You got, you got another interview coming up, so we don't have a lot of time with you, correct? Or, no, 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 no. I, that, that, the, the other interview was Will Cow, so I'm, okay. you guys have oh, me as long as you need me. We're done with Willy Wonka, and now here we are. You're in the, you know, you can tell. I like it. Andrew Wilkow. I, I don't even know who he is. Yeah, he thought it was some other guy. He thought it was a Jerry Springer type guy. I thought it was the, guy. the Jerry Springer guy. No, guy. he's on the uh, the Patriot channel. He's conservative. Okay. He's okay. Like, like, we're that. right, they're wrong. Right. That's his big thing, yeah. you now, know, saying. Ted, Ted's got yeah, some things he wants to talk to you about, but I want to get into the Saints because I know you got an opinion on the Saints, and I'm right with you on the whole Saints thing. Okay, so uh, it, be, by, the, by the time you hear this, I think the Saints would have played. The London game will be over. Yeah. Okay, and that's what's going on this week. And um, but well, We got, should have this show tomorrow. Or okay, tonight. well, then the London game won't be yeah, over. But I, right. want to, I want to get into the, the Jim Hazlitt uh uh, comparison that he used, <laughs> which I completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah, but, right, right, uh, right. Okay, so the book's going well, and but you haven't been here yet with the uh, book signing here yet, correct? Uh, not yet. Well, we we did a hayride event in Metairie, um, and I I had like signed books for all kinds of people, um, but it wasn't like a book signing book signing. So we're still, yeah, we're still going to do that. Um, we're we're actually doing another hayride event November 9th. Ah, the day uh, after the that midterm. Was, that was, yeah, that one's going to be in Mandeville, and believe it or not, yeah. we have Kurt Schlichter coming in from from uh, from out of California to come speak. Schlichter, and, Schlichter, yeah, Schlichter, I love him. Kurt Schlichter, Schlichter's yes. guy. Yeah, how'd you, he's how'd got you the pull down hall column. I've known Kurt for a while. He actually uh, spoke at a Hayride event we did back in um, 2009 in Metairie. And he was like, when are you going to get me back down there? I'm like, how about the day after the midterms? He's uh, like, dude. So, so what, yeah, so he's coming. And, yeah, and, November uh, 9th, and that should be a big deal. Okay, November 9th. But tell us more. Like, where is it and what time? It's the Florida Lee Center. It's going to be Florida Lee Center in Mandeville, yeah. okay. uh, which is like right there on Causeway, just on the other side of the lake. Very and, nice um, place. I've been to a wedding there. Yeah, very, very nice place. Right. Okay. Yeah, they mostly do weddings, so it's kind of a yeah. you know I don't know if we fit there, but we'll find out. But um, and it's not free. Uh, like cocktail will, hour at six and dinner yeah. at seven, well, and the program. Can you so get me and Teddy in? Uh, tickets are eighty. Yeah, of course I will. Okay, yeah, yeah a, absolutely. We'll okay, we're gonna we're gonna put okay. that on the calendar, Teddy. All right. I want to go to that. Hey, I wanted to ask you, you know, about this. This I keep hearing about this Mayor Cantrell recall. Is that really a thing, or is it just a bunch of people that just ticked off can the mayor because she sucks, or what is it? Can that happen? Well. Yeah. The the last I heard, and it was a few days ago, they were sitting at something like eleven thousand signatures, and they need fifty four. So you know they're ahead of schedule if you just figure a um, you know like a steady stream of people signing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the way these efforts work is you're usually going to get the the fastest volume of signings at the beginning. Right. Because, yeah, you know, you're going right. to you're going to get all the people that are super passionate about it are going to run out and sign it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's more like, you know, needles in the haystack of the people that you can get motivated enough to do it. I see. And when people don't think that it's actually going to happen, they don't sign it, because especially with somebody like with, with Toy Cantrell, like as vindictive as she is, you don't want to put yourself on a list. Yeah, we, we so and I'm not saying they can't make this happen. I'm saying it's yeah. like it's never actually happened in Louisiana. If it was going to happen to anybody, it happened to her. Um, so we'll see. 
But, you know, I like I, my default position on a recall is you don't do it to actually recall the uh, the politician in question. You do it kind of almost like it's the space program, you know, like it spits out like side technologies and benefits that you didn't expect. You know, like you get lists of people who feel a certain way that you may not get from like the voter file, for example. Mm. Yeah. Now, 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 in case you don't know this, Scott, you know, we have a, a pretty long reach. We have listeners all over the country, all over the world. And for those of you that don't know, Mayor Cantrell has been our mayor. She's on her second term. Um, she's been an absolute nightmare and she refuses. Worst in America. Yeah. I mean, she, and she refuses to, uh, you know, say her sorry for anything or, or any remorse. I mean, she just keeps, she doubles down, doubles down, doubles down. And, um, you know, she's just been, a, she's actually ruining the city of New Orleans. And so there's this big push yes. to get uh, her recalled. Yeah. Um, and people are going around and getting signatures. So that's, you know, what that's all about. But, the, you know, the thing of it is the arrogance of it all, uh, with me. I mean, um, I, I, I don't know what's the proper way to handle something like that classy. Would you have an idea? How would you handle something like that if you were her and be classy about it? Do you got any ideas on that? Well, I mean, the first thing you do is you'd fly coach, right? Because she goes, take, she takes trips everywhere. And the city's policy is, you know, if the taxpayer dollars are involved, you fly coach. And so she's got to go take junkets to France and Switzerland. And, you know, like she's going to go make sister city agreements with these like little tiny villages in these, you know, like like the French version of Martha's Vineyard. Basically, she's going to go make a a sister city agreement so she can get a vacation. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, has to fly business class. And, you know, she spent something like thirty thousand dollars on plane tickets above and beyond you know, her thing, her security flies coach. And she's saying, well, I have to fly business class because it's my safety is at issue. It's Mm -hmm. like your security is in coach. They're 30 rows back is where they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I don't know. It's like roving bands of pirates in (laughs) coach on transatlantic flights. I mean, the whole thing is such an insult to everybody's intelligence. And look, New Orleans, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up in Metairie, so I'm not actually a, a New Orleanian unless, you know, you want to you want to kind of grandfather me in or New something. Orleans. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, you know, look, I mean, it, it's kind of my city, but let's let's be honest. Orleans Parish doesn't have a good electorate. OK, they vote very badly over and over and over again. Um, and so the real question would be, all right, like even if you could get rid of her. Can you elect someone better? And this is true of lots and lots of urban areas across America. The answer is no. Um, But having said that, I mean, the churn is a thing, right? Like if you can punish like truly ineffective politicians, even if it gets you another truly ineffective politician, it's at least something that you make a statement and say, yeah. this isn't good enough, yeah. right? Like, you know, you talked about the Saints. If the backup quarterback sucks too, at least you fired the starter, right? Yeah. And, you know, like if you have a bad quarterback, you're probably going to lose the game anyway. So it's not that bad a thing to say, hey, throwing three interceptions and a half mm-hmm. gets you put on the bench on this team. A quarter. Right? A quarter. A quarter. You're right. A, or Tampa or a quarter. As the case may be, it can be a quarter. Um, well, you say, which you is say, why I'm. You know, Cantrell's the worst in the country. Is she really worse than Chicago's mayor? I mean, well, they, got well, a new mayor now. they got a new mayor. Well, no, is it yeah, Lori no, 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 no. They, they still have Lightfoot. Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. they do? I thought yeah. she was. Okay. All she's, right. um, no, Beetle, Beetlejuice yeah, she's is very much first, still there. She's in her first term, I believe. Beetlejuice. Um, I guess it's, she, I mean, that, uh, who wants to, I guess, it, why even compare the two? They're both pitiful, you know? I'm just wondering what her behavior well, I mean, is like, uh, Scott, uh, her behavior when she goes to these places and meets with these other, she's, uh, what do they call yeah. them? Uh, uh, she's a liaison, you know, she's pushing the city uh, yeah. in, in European countries because I know some stories about her. She hangs out in the CBD, her and her husband at the Voodoo Lounge in the CBD. Oh, yeah. And there's stories about her. I mean, she can get pretty freaking raunchy and drunk in that joint. Mm. I mean, I can't imagine uh, the way well, she yeah. actually gets some of that really good well, French wine in her. Yeah. Well, well, I, I got the impression that she didn't hang out with her husband anymore. Oh, really? Mm. Is oh, that, has that changed? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. The story, there's, there's I, the one the story video I heard she's is she's taking up with a new fella. Yeah. Oh, who God. knows? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 
So, so who's this Eileen Carter though? She seems to be the one who's like real vocal about the recall and they were really cl- uh, close. And I guess she actually worked for, um, for Cantrell. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. You, you know who she is though? No. She's Karen Carter Peterson's sister. You yeah. know, Karen Carter Peterson, the no. state Senator who like just had to resign because she stole all the money from the Louisiana Democrat <laughs> oh, party yeah. to feed her gambling habit. Eileen Carter is her sister, ah, which, I'm... you know, is whatever it is, but I mean, that's, that's who she is. So, and so, of course the, you know, her partner in this is, you know, is, is uh noonie man, Batiste who runs for everything and gets 2%. And he's like, I think he's like a Mardi Gras Indian, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah. I mean, so like, you know, they, like these are the people that are running this. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least fronting it. I don't know if there's like money yeah. behind it or whatever. And we'll see. I mean, you know, they, they certainly seem to have more visibility than most recall efforts I've seen. Mm-hmm. So, and the other thing they've got in their, in their favor is that Latoya is the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> right? Like you put her in front of a press conference. It's another 5,000 right, people. Down. Signing she doubled down on everything. Yeah. yeah she doubled down. Yeah. Um, when well, when know, is the signature deadline? It's coming out. Oh, it's like February. I mean, she, they got oh, a while. Close so they got a while, but okay, they're they not a while. Yeah, they have like six months, and they're only like a month in, and they say it seems, you know, it seems like WWL is like really into this. You know, they're, uh, She doesn't have many fans anymore. Let's yeah, just put it that way. I did, I did w- sign w- it. WWL Radio. I did sign it, Scott. Um, and then, Good for you. And, of course, the, what, what came mm-hmm. out, there was that story that came out that said that New Orleans per capita was the Myrtle ca- the murder capital of the country. Of course, she mm-hmm. denied that. Um, uh, now, you know, there was a man, uh, there was a man that stabbed two people within 12 minutes uh, on September the 24th. Yeah. You know, but right. how do they come up with those stats about murder capita, uh, capital per capita? Because when I mentioned that to Teddy, he argued, he said, oh, no, Baton Rouge is Baton Rouge is. Well, I saw a CBS list that had Baton Rouge at five and New Orleans at six in the country. So, I mean, who's worse? I don't know. Well, I think it, I mean, you know, of course, in all of these places, there's a murder every couple of days. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, every time there's a murder and I guess they stack it up over the course of a year um, Mm -hmm. or maybe some of these things will do it over like a five year period, you know, or something like that. And so they generate something of a weighted average or whatever. So there's probably a million different ways to judge this. And so, it depends on how you judge it. But the, the fact of the matter is there's probably 20, 25 cities across America that have these super elevated murder, uh, you know, murder rates. And it's just, you know, depending on how, you know, raucous a weekend it was, you, you know, you're going to fluctuate on the murder uh, rankings. And well, that may yeah. ultimately be how this thing goes is that somebody figures out a real time murder index and puts up a website and gets a zillion clicks and makes a fortune off of it by doing the murder city sweepstakes. Well, Scott, look, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert, but don't all of those places, if not all, but most of those places have a common denominator. And I think that common, a common denominator is, you know, uh, poverty uh, in the inner city, uh, lack of leadership, you know, from the top, uh, no male mentorship. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah. And, and one party Democrat control. Well, yeah, every single single one of them. I mean, yeah, every (laughs) single one of them is, you know, they've had their last Republican mayor Mm. maybe ever. Um, And it's, you know, that was 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, so and like I have this thing and I talk about it in my book and I've talked about it, you know, at the Hayride and all, you know, everywhere else I write this thing I call weaponized governmental failure. Okay, and what it is, and you know, back in like the '90s when you had these Marion Barrys and Kwame Kilpatricks and people like that who were just like comically awful mayors, <laughs> and, and yet on video, they on video. kept yeah. right. I mean, yeah. like, and they kept winning re-election, and the, the Democrat Party started a real thing. You know what? Here's the thing: you don't get punished for being that bad. What happens is all the people that would vote against you pick up and leave for the suburbs. And what's left is this hardcore electorate that will never turn you out. And so don't Mm -hmm. fix the potholes and don't fight crime and don't have good schools. Definitely don't provide a business, you know, climate that anybody would want to start a business in, Um, you know, and do all of these kind of woke social justice things that drive middle class, 
you know, voters and taxpayers insane and they'll all leave. They won't vote against you because at some point you reach the, you know, the point where they can't get to 50% against you. And so they hit the road and you have a few rich people who will throw money at your campaign so that they can get access and call you, Hey, I got a pothole in front of my house, that pothole you fix. Right. But everything else is a la carte with them. Their kids go to private school. They got private security in their yeah. neighborhoods, the whole, the whole shooting match. And then everybody else is poor and poor people. If you don't want to govern well, poor people are easy to govern. Mm-hmm. You give them midnight basketball instead of cops and they think it's a good thing. Right. Because yeah, poor yeah. people, generally speaking, like every interaction, every interaction, most everybody has with a cop is bad. But every interaction that poor people have with cops is always bad. There is either a crime and they're being asked whether they committed it or the crime happened to them. Or like maybe in most cases, law abiding poor people, the absolute worst thing that can happen when you get in an encounter with a cop is he's going to give you a ticket. And it's 200 bucks that you do not have. And now it's like, okay, so do we eat this month or do I go behind on the bills? Like they're terrified of the cops, not because they think they're going to get shot. It's like, if this guy writes me a ticket, I don't know, like it's going to take me three months to get straight with my bills. Right. And like, so, you know, you get it to the point where you can really easily demonize cops in front of poor people. They don't cooperate with them. They do the whole thing. And now crime goes through the roof. And guess what crime makes people? more dependent on government. It does. And mm-hmm. breaking news here, by the way, from the All Over the Road New Orleans podcast. Beep, 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 beep. Thank you, Teddy. Yep. Uh, the man that went on the 12-hour stabbing spree on September 24th, mm-hmm. his description is out. Okay? He's a black male with gold teeth wearing a white t-shirt and blue jeans. <laughs> That's about 90% of the dudes well, in Central City. That'll <laughs> narrow it down. That narrows it down. Man, narrows it down. That narrows it down. Jeez. So, um... Well, I mean, the, the the murder rate sky high in New Orleans. I mean, that's got to kill tourism. I mean, but you know what? It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Well, I think it's down. No. It's not down. No, it's. I mean, it's, no, it's Dude, down. it doesn't. That's wow. the thing. How they? And, you know, I, I mean, I go ahead, Scott. Well, go ahead. Well, there's a there's a hardcore you know tourist base in New Orleans that I mean yeah. I guess they're gluttons for punishment <laughs> yeah. or something, but I, you know I like I know the convention traffic is is you know is off. I know that. Okay, well that um, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would. Make well, sense. and I mean, look, that's what New New Orleans is a convention town. I mean, you know, they right. you know, their thing is is once a week or you know every week they've got to have these you know these whether it's the dentists or the realtors or whatever, like, you know, from all over the country to come in and they don't want to come to new Orleans because everything they hear is so bad. And yeah, you know, right. like that's a problem. Now, you know, I talk to people all the time, you know, and uh, a lot of people that come to new Orleans, I have people, I own a business and talk to a lot of people that like to visit here. And I tell them, I say, look, you know, keep your head on a swivel. Don't be stumbling, bumbling and, you know, and bumbling drunk. Uh, but pretty much make your way around during the day. It's safe, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. night. And they they just brush it off. It's like uh, yeah. it's one of these things. Well, it's not going to happen to me. But the thing is, down here now, it can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it really it's can. It, it's 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 a shame. I, I, I wanted to. You know, talk to you a little before we get to the Saints thing, because I can't wait to get to that. I know I mentioned that already. Um, did I tell you I met Reggie Jackson? Scott? Well, like like New York Yankees Reggie Jackson? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I freaked out, dude. Nice. I freaked out. I was, I was totally starstruck. I, I've been telling people that. I, I was totally starstruck. I just can't stop talking about it. See, I'm, I'm buying blah, 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 right just, now. The, just thought of it. Okay, now November. Jeez. I mean, when I was, <laughs> yeah. when I was, uh, what, I guess I was seven when he went off in the World Series, yeah, seventy eight. Like growing up, that was like that. Okay, yeah. I was eight. That yeah. I mean, you know, I was the biggest Reggie Jackson fan there was. When oh I was. yeah, he was iconic. He was yeah. iconic. Now is November eighth you know? all these midterm elections? Because I, I got to be honest with you, yes. since Trump mm-hmm. lost the election, and I, I don't, and I'm not this guy that's going to blow the roof off with with Donald Trump. I mean, I think he did some great things. I think the way he handled himself. I mean, I don't know. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, no, we all have regrets, but um, and, the, and the witch hunt that's going on right now is is pretty ridiculous. But um, I haven't watched any Fox News or anything since the end of that election. Now, November 8th is coming around and I was telling Martha, I was going, Martha, I want to be all over that. Mm. Uh, what can we really uh, expect or hope to expect or what is the reality of what could happen November the 8th? And is anything going to happen at all? Well, OK, so you've got. 
basically three classes of things to pay attention to, right? Um, the first one is there's a whole bunch of governor elections that are up. Um, and, uh, you know, Republicans have more governors than Democrats. Um, they're probably going to have a good bit more Republican governors than Democrats. Um, like to the tune of 33, 34 out of the 50 will be Republican governors. Um, then the next thing is uh, the House, which, you know, the Democrats have a very, very, very small uh, majority in the House that most people think is going to go away. And it probably will. Um, you know, the Republicans are probably going to pick up 30 seats or so, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then the Senate is 50-50. Um, and there's basically seven seats that are rated as toss ups. Um, like I'm going by the real clear politics average where they basically say that of the, the seats that are out there, uh, you know, the Republicans have a fairly good handle on 47. The Democrats have a fairly good handle on 46. The other seven are in the lurch and they have the Republicans winning uh, two more than the Democrats. So in other words, they would have the Republicans picking up, uh, I guess, five of the seven and being at 52-48. Um, and I, I think that's probably a pretty good handle on it. I might go 53 or even 54 for the Republicans, depending on the size of this wave. Okay, so, and you're, the big, predicting, the big, right, so you're predicting control of the House by the Republicans by November 8th at November. Is that what you're predicting? Yeah, I, definitely. They're going to have control of the house. I would bet they're going to control the Senate. They already have more governors than the Democrats and they're going to, they're going to gain. I don't remember how many seats, how many gubernatorial seats it would be, but they're, they're going to gain on that. And so it's going to be a Republican election. Um, the first midterm after a new president goes in almost always goes to the, the opposite party. Yeah. Um, are they going to have these goofy? When, are they going to have these goofy mail-in stuff like they did for the presidential thing? Or yeah, no? they'll have they'll have some of that, but it won't be it won't be to the same scale. Because what happened is, a lot of states went and changed their um, their elections laws to make sure you could do things like ballot harvesting. And then the other thing is, remember the way they did all that in 2020 was it was because of COVID that people couldn't couldn't go to the polls, and so they did kind of special circumstances type stuff. Mm-hmm. That enabled all the mail-in ballots. Well, you don't have over. that. I mean, right? <laughs> Even Biden says the pandemic yeah, is over. over. So he said it. So yeah. So you're kind of back to normal on that, and and it's gonna it's going to kind of shut down the opportunity in some of these kind of you know contested places mm-hmm. from 2020 that you're just not going to be able to do that like you used to. So what's um, the, uh, in Louisiana, what's the interesting, uh, I know Kennedy's up for re-election. He's a senator. Oh, he's a senator. And then what else is uh, interesting to look at? I, uh, honestly, I wish I could tell you there were like interested ra- interesting races <laughs> out there, but there mm-hmm. kind of aren't. Yeah. I mean, none, there's six congressional races. Every one of them, the incumbent's going to win easy. Okay. Uh, Kennedy is going to win in the primary. He's got, you know, three Democrats he's running against, you know, none of whom have any real stature. The interesting thing there is you know, this guy, Gary Chambers, who's oh, probably going to run first among the Democrats, mm-hmm. is really running not to beat Kennedy, despite, you know, the things that he has to say running. Mm-hmm. What he's really running is he wants to take over the Democrat Party in Louisiana. Um, and there's this super interesting dynamic between sort of the, you know, John Bell Edwards, old school kind of trial lawyer, white Democrat crowd and, you know, and the black community, which is 60 percent of registered Democrats in the state. And, you know, the, like the blacks, of it's, it's almost like a feudal enterprise, which is, you know, the blacks are the serfs. And then, you know, the, the white Democrats are like the lords of the manor. You have to let us run at the top of the ticket because y'all can't win. Right. And the thing of it is, is you're starting to get to the point where the white Democrats can't win. And that means the black Democrats would be like, well, we want the union money that comes from D.C. And we want to be able to spend that on these elections rather than getting, you know, the scraps from the table when you guys get to spend it, when your candidate can't win either. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And at that at that point, like that's when it flips over, and you're basically going to have like the Republicans are the white party, and the Democrats are the black party in the state. And it might actually work better than it does now, right? Because I mean, what I find is a lot of these, you know, like a lot of these black politicians, particularly like at the state legislature, they're actually pretty transactional, and so you can make some sort of consensus on a lot of things by just, you know, like, all right, we'll make a deal. What do you want? You know, I mean, on, on social issues, what you find is, I mean, you know, black Democrats are not, I mean, they're pretty conservative on social stuff. I mean, all the abortion laws that, you know, that we passed that went into effect after the Roe v. Wade uh, decision got overturned in the Dobbs case. I mean, you know, the, the big one that kind of banned abortion all over Louisiana was written by Katrina Jackson, who's a black Democrat from Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, like, she's a huge pro-life, you know, supporter. She's a total socialist in every other respect. But I mean, you know, she's she's pro-life. you got a bunch of pro-gun Democrats. you got, um, you know, I mean, like the black community is not, you know, as woke as you make them out, as, you know, the media would make them out to be. They're just not. I mean, you know, like what goes on in a black church is pretty similar to what goes on in a white church. Mm-hmm. The politics are a lot different. And, and, you know, some of the themes in it don't mesh very well. But when you get right down to it, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you can make a deal. What you can't do is when a John Bell Edwards is is speaking for the black community as a white Democrat, and then he puts himself out there that he's going to negotiate with the Republicans, you know, you, you don't really address everybody's um, core issues. So maybe a binary thing where it's, you know, white Republicans and black Democrats making deals amongst each other may get you somewhere. That's actually how it looks like in a state like Tennessee or Mississippi or Alabama. Like that is pretty much how it works. And I hate to say it. Those guys are all doing better than Louisiana is right now. Well, you know, we'll get off Louisiana. But just to say one thing about Louisiana, I mean, it's it's a cultural thing. It's a generational thing. It's a habitual thing. And hopefully with a new generation coming up, they'll grow out of it. I agree with you. They're not as woke as you think. There are some free thinkers out there. I know a lot of intelligent black young people that I'm friends with, and they do have conservative views. Uh, they It is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus on Sunday, but it's Democrat, Democrat, Democrat when the curtain pulls. But I think that is about to change. One more thing about Louisiana, and that is this. Who's your prediction for the next governor of Louisiana? I know it's early. But do you have well, an early? It, it, you have an early front runner. Uh, well, I mean, the early front runner is Jeff Landry. I mean, I, you know, I, the guy. I mean, he's a fundraising machine. He will he will be way more long stacked than any other candidate that gets in the race. Um, you know, every beginning of September every year, uh, he does this alligator hunt at this fishing camp that they've got. <laughs> On uh, it's like in Catahoula, Louisiana, yeah, which is yeah. in St. Martin Parish, mm-hmm. and I mean, to, 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 it takes it takes it's a hike to get there. But you go and you show up, and like I think it's five grand for a tag, and they went through two hundred tags this year, so that was like a million dollars right then and there before they sold any corporate sponsorships or anything. Like this is a big big event that they do every year. He's been doing it for, I don't know, 10 years now. Um, and so he raises a million guesser. and a half dollars think, every year. You don't think none guesses really? the front, the front runner. You think, well, I don't know where Bill, like, I don't know how Billy can, can generate the kind of, of the money. support yeah. and money and whatever that Landry can. And the other thing about Landry is like, Landry's gonna have Donald Trump working for him. Yeah, he will. He will. And that will be a big thing. Now, you know, like what Landry needs and wants and something tells me he's going to get is there's going to be a black Democrat in the race that will soak up, you know, the 32 percent or 33 percent of the electorate that's, you know, black Democrats um, and make the runoff. And then it, at that point, it's OK, well, who's the conservative candidate in the race? And then, you know, you put Landry against whoever. Right. Like, you know, J.P. Morrell or. Sharon Broom or, you know, whatever, whoever it might be. And, you know, he's going to beat them 55, 45 or something. And then he's your next governor. Like that's how, that's the model Landry wants. The question is, is that if it's two Republicans in the runoff, um, one of them would be Landry, but if it's Landry, Nungesser in the runoff, 
does none guesser get all the Democrat vote and the moderate Republican vote and it's enough to beat Landry? Yeah. And I, I don't I don't I think it just depends on how the candidates perform before you would really know that. Yeah. Um, but those are kind of the two models. And then the other thing is like if Bill Cassidy gets in the race, which oh, people God have forbid. talked about, God nobody's going to vote for Bill Cassidy. He no. will embarrass himself if he gets in. Um, but he'll have money. I mean, you know, we'll do that. He'll come he's, on TV. You know, Bill his, Cassidy's face will be all over uh, TV. And everybody in Louisiana will be like, oh, my God. His teeth are beady. You know, uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch this cartoon <laughs> called Underdog. And Underdog, there was this, like, mad scientist in there. And he had Bill Cassidy's eyes and nose and beady, 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 little beady teeth. <laughs> Can't stand him. <laughs> Can't stand him. Now, here, here's here's the thing, Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, what's going to if 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 Trump's going to run again, okay? But I'm not going to ask you yet, uh, and if he can even win a nomination. But what story is it is? This is in deep in the mind of uh, the brilliant Scott McKay. What mm-hmm. story that is that's out there that you know of that's not yet a story that you think is going to be a big story? First of all, is that a good question? And second of all, can you answer it? Well. Right. It, it, as it happens, it, it really is a pretty good question. And you probably haven't heard about this. The mainstream media has not touched it. Okay. But there is a guy up in Pennsylvania. His name is Mark Houck. Um, and he's, he's like a Catholic activist. He's a speaker. You know, he does this whole thing. And one of the things that he does is he's like one of these sidewalk counselors, right? Stands out front of an abortion clinic. Girl comes and he says, Hey, you know, whatever you do, don't don't go in there. Don't do it. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, the whole thing. Um, so and this is, I don't know, earlier this year, I guess he brings his son with he's got seven kids. This guy brings his son, 12 years old, you know, to go do the sidewalk counseling. Hey, this is my son. He's the love of my life. Don't deny yourself. It's literally the whole thing. Some uh, like pro choice slash pro abortion, whatever guy gets in this dude's face, threatens his son some kind of way, and a shoving match uh, results, okay? So the guy presses charges against Mark Houck. The local DA is like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to prosecute that case. So the guy sues Houck in civil court. That gets thrown out. Last week, the FBI showed up at his house with 20 guys brandishing guns at his seven children and his wife um, because they say that he violated something called the Faces Act, which Mm. is this federal uh, law that bars people from like blocking folks to go into abortion clinics and so, so forth, which, you know, like sidewalk counseling is allowed in the Faces Act. Okay. It's like a patent BS charged it, but they sent 20 FBI agents to this guy's house. They're out of control. This FBI yeah. agents. No, it's totally out of control, which is why this is such a big story because before it was, well, but these were, you know, insurrectionists, January 6th people, whatever. And then it was, yeah, but Trump had these documents and that's why we went to Marla. This, this guy's done nothing. He's done nothing. He's a peaceful guy. They, they gave him a subpoena. His, his lawyer told him, yes, he will come in and answer questions. And they, they sent the goon squad in anyway. So now there was this, this FBI agent, um, I think Stephen Friend was the guy's name, who turned whistleblower because they, he was on the, the, the SWAT team, I think out of like Daytona Beach at, with the FBI. And he like refused to go on one of these SWAT raids for one of these January 6th protesters. And so he filed a whistleblower complaint when they, you know, frog marched him out of the building and fired him. Um, And now he's got there's 30 other FBI agents that have now done the same thing. So wait a minute. Wait, 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 Um, wait, 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 wait. So what you're saying is, is this guy that was standing out in front of the abortion clinic was witnessing to to young women before they went in there. And probably the thing that he did wrong is he was probably talking about Jesus. That's probably what he did wrong. But um, uh, are you telling me that guy was at the January 6th thing? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. All right. All right. No, he had nothing to do with that. This is like, in other words, they just like, okay, who are these guys are conservative activists. And so we're going to send the SWAT team in there to intimidate them, um, which is all this is. Okay. okay. And I I got it now. 
So now you like you've got 30 FBI agents who have now gone whistleblower saying they are sending us out on politicized raids. And of course, everybody knows this because you keep seeing all these guys that work for Trump Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, these other things like they're, you know, they're out in their front yard in their underwear at four in the morning and CNN's (laughs) cameras are there. Yeah. Right. I mean, like this has happened over and over and over again. And everybody is now starting to see it's like, wait a minute. You know, like that's this this is this is like the totalitarian countries in the movies, you know, that like you're like, thank God we don't live in a place like that, except it's going on here. And so to me, like that is to this is the biggest story of all is the weaponization of law enforcement. And, you know, this thing with this guy, Mark Houck, this Catholic activist, is the that's like the biggest deal of all yet. But the pattern is there's going to be way more of those over the next however many weeks, particularly up until this election, because there, you know, and there's a narrative out there. And you've if you heard Biden when he gave his kind of satanic speech in Philadelphia with the weird red background and all this kind of stuff. And he started talking about the MAGA Republicans and they, you know, they're a threat to our democracy and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the the Homeland Security people, they go white supremacists are the number one terror threat in the United States. And everybody around the country is like, okay, but what are they doing? Like, what is there a, an incident that you can point to? And well, January 6th. And it's like, Okay, but like, what else do you have? Well, they tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan. It was like, actually, no, that didn't even happen. That was the that was the Fed. Man, that was the Fed that ginned up the yeah. plot and found some goofballs that they could pin this on. That wasn't <laughs> a thing. So what? Like, like you know, like if you want to talk about a weather th- or a, a, a terror threat, I mean, you know, I go like when I was a little kid, like that's the weathermen, right? Like it's the Symbionese Liberation. Show me the bank they knocked over. Show me the bombings. Like, where's the the actual terrorism to go with your terror threat? Well, and if anybody <laughs> ever uh, kidnapped the the governor of Michigan, they'd have her for about five minutes, and I guarantee you, they'd bring her right back. That was a Dan, the Danny DeVito Bette Midler movie, Jeez. right? And he kept like yeah. negotiating him down because <laughs> he didn't want her back. <laughs> um, Let him but anyway, it. so the so the the whole point is is that like it almost looks like they're trying to push conservative activists to the point where they, they you know like it's the point of no return, and then get an incident that they can use to validate the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing this to this guy, Mark Houck is, I mean, it's provocative. You can put guns in front of this guy's kids. And, and that, I mean, like that's, that's, that's outrageous. And so what I'm concerned about is the idea that they're going to stoke outrage hoping that somebody in response does something that then justifies the political narrative that they have been, you know, uh, assiduously building for months or really more than a year, ever since January 6th. I mean, if you remember what happened after January 6th, they ringed the Capitol in razor wire and brought out the National Guard. Mm -hmm. And right. turn the whole thing into an armed camp. And they brought Russell Honore out to supervise it. And all of us were like, like, for what? For a protest? You didn't do any of this with the George Floyd riots all over the country. Like, what is going on? And the whole point was to try to gin up this feeling all around the country that, hey, you know, our democracy is under attack. And nothing actually happened after that except that the government keeps pushing. They push parents that show up at school board meetings saying, Hey, I'd rather you not turn my kid trans. And somehow that's a, you know, that's a threat. And they think, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I like, and it's absurd, but the point is it's absurd until it's not because if somebody gets so mad that they set off a, you know, a bomb like in Oklahoma city or something, now they have it. And they say, see, we were saying this all along mm-hmm. when it was a fake it till you make it thing from the very beginning. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's what they want. They want to, you know, Republicans, conservatives basically to get so upset and so pushed against the wall and something like that happens. 
Okay, look, the man's Hopefully name is the man's name is Scott McKay. He's got a new book out. It's called The Revivalist Manifesto. Um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, compilation. Just ordered my copy off of Amazon. You can get yours too. We're gonna get into the Saints. We're gonna get into another thing when we come back. When we hit a quick break, Scott, we'll be right back with Scott McKay. You know him, you love him. You can't without him here on All Over the Road the podcast, New Orleans. You know, Teddy, here in season four, we promised people more stories, more stories, more stories. And let me say this to you. If you have an interesting story, I don't mean you, Ted, because I know all your stories already. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have an interesting story, we'd like to hear about it. Or if you know someone that would be an interesting guest or someone that has something they want to share on the program, we would like to hear from you. And how can they tell us uh, that they have this? Teddy? Call the 24-hour listener line. There you go. And I mean 24-7. It's, like, it's always there. You will not. I get a busy signal. We have an auto attendant. That's what we have. It's an attendant. It's not a real person. And the number is 601 Route 66. Now, if that's too complicated for you, just call 601-768-8366. I don't care what people tell you. Inflation is here. They're about ready to put a tax on beef, a tax on pork. Have you seen the price of milk? Inflation is here. Shortages are here. And financially, you got to figure out what the heck you're going to do with excess cash. They call it discretionary income. Well, the best thing that you need to do is to contact our friends at Coin Trader Inc. They deal with all the precious metals, rare coins. It's completely private. You don't need a social security number. You could be Bozo the Clown and open an account with Coin Trader. They've been around for 15 years. They have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Call them today and protect your hard earned wealth gold, silver, platinum, palladium and rare U.S. and ancient coins. They're experts in all that stuff. Give them a call at 504-267-6004 and tell them the king of all podcasts sent you. A one-of-a-kind podcast. It's all over the road New Orleans with the king of all podcasting, Victor Del Giorno. Hi, thank you to Popeye. This is Cynthia speaking. Make sure you have a cash card and keep it popping. You hear me? Oh, now. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Keeping it real over here. That's what we do. What can I get you, baby? Oh, always keep it real. Let me get That's what I'm talking about. Let me get a uh, number eight, please. A number eight? Okay, that's a three tender. Spicy. And what side are you going to talk it like a time? Red beans. And what kind of drink are you going to set it off with? Uh, strawberry no ice. Strawberry Fanta off the rock? Yes, ma'am. Anything else, Cajun rice or cold slaw? That's it, love. Trying to wash that waistline. Say that there. Wash that waistline. You hear me? So that's a three spicy tenner with the red bean barbecue sauce. Twerk that thing with strawberry off the rock. You hear me? Nine foot and Keep it real. Ride it out, babe. You already know. You already know, love. All right. Come on around, honey. Dump it. All right. Back with Scott McKay. Ted Semper alongside me. Now... Let me ask you that. I mean, let's, let's get into the Saints thing real quick. Okay. Do you mind, Scott? Mm-hmm. And if okay. you follow Scott on Facebook, you know he's been very vocal. He's Mr. Not against, against the Saints so far. They've only played three games. Well, I know, but I made the prediction at the beginning of the year that they're going to. I don't know, but I put something on the, yeah. our Facebook page, Scott. You need to check it out. And it's me pleading for Sean to come back. <laughs> and I was actually crying. Ask Teddy. I was actually, my yeah. eyes were welled up. I was Got just very begging emotional. Him. You know, You know the old Shane movie? Come back, Shane. Come back. It was come back, Sean. And I'd love for him to come back. But but here's my point real quick, and then you, we can get into this, okay? Dan Marino, Brett Favre, John Elway, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Those guys play hurt. You know why? Because they're great right. quarterbacks, and they can play hurt. Jameis Winston, he's not Marino, Favre, Elway, Montana, uh, Manning, and, and, and uh, Brady. Brady. He's, he's a backup quarterback. He shouldn't be playing hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. They've got the excuse right now. Okay, the guy's hurt. He's got a fractured back. He's got a bad ankle. Let's put in this backup that we've obviously got a capable backup. He was an all pro for three yeah. years. Andy, Andy Dalton, nice right? fella. Yep. And uh, But they keep doubling down how they're with this guy. I mean, uh, is it, well, uh, because they're paying him $28 million. I, I, right. But the guy's hurt. Yeah. Scott? Right. No? It's crazy. Well, I, you know, I, I am not. I've never been a Jameis Winston fan um, because he turns the ball over. Yes. Like he's a turnover machine. He doesn't take care of the ball. He fumbles snaps. He gets, he fumbles when he gets sacked. He throws the ball up for grabs. He stares down receivers and makes it very easy for defensive backs to break on the ball and, and get 
I mean, like he, he's you know, and he and the guy older. is not a rookie. He's bewildered. He well, he does. Get... He, he he does. There's no question about that. And the thing of it is. You know, it, like early in his career with Tampa, you could say, okay, well, you know, he's going to learn. And a lot of guys, you know, get really good athletic quarterbacks, get better with age and league. But the thing of it is, is that he doesn't have, I think the biggest thing with him is mental toughness. Because what I notice, he turns into a turnover machine when the going gets tough. Right. Right. Like he presses. Rather than, you know, you, you you settle down and you, you know, you let the game come to you and you pick your spots, this guy forces action. And in the NFL, forcing action means you're going to turn it over. And I like, it's just a bad trade. I don't think you can win with a quarterback like that. And, you know, what I notice is Andy Dalton, you know, and Andy Dalton's a little bit older. Okay. But Andy Dalton's career, it signified like when he had some talent around him, he was good when the Bengals had any kind of offensive, you know, skill position guys that could actually, you know, do something, you know, Dalton hit him. I mean, you know, yeah. like he, when he had AJ green, I mean, they look, they did some things mm-hmm. in, in Cincinnati, you know, in the latter few years of his career, he's kind of been surrounded by not much. And the, but the saints have a good skill set. Oh yeah. So I'm they wondering do. like, you know, would this be a team that Andy Dalton's career might, suddenly take a big turn for the positive mm-hmm. if he were able to get on the field. And when, when, I mean, right now with Winston, what I notice is they have to throttle him back to the point where it looks almost like, like less miles or bum Phillips offense to keep him from turning it over. And then they get late in the game where they have to open it up. And he turns the ball over, and because at the end of the day, that's who Jameis Winston is. Okay, well, look at this way. Look at this way, um, Scott. Look at this way. Last year, their quarterback room was uh, Simeon, uh, Taysom, right. and Book. Right. Look at their look at right. their quarterback room now. Okay, it's a lot better. All right, and look at the right. talent they made. They've got better talent. They got their kicker back. We got a great kicker. We didn't have a kicker last year. We didn't have a quarterback last year. We didn't have a kicker. We we're one game away from making the playoffs. I don't know how great the kicker is. Well, I don't I, know how great the kicker is right I now. I think he's good. He, he, he is. No, no, no. He, he is. He'll be fine. Last week. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Well, he wasn't good last week. Well, he'll be fine. But he'll be fine. He should be okay. Last week. Okay, but here's yeah. the deal. I think the biggest thing they miss, we can get on the Winston thing, and really they should make a change because he's not a good athlete anymore. He can't run. He's hurt. He's not a good athlete. Okay, he can throw the ball out of the stadium, but he's not accurate. But here's the thing they miss, and I said this when we did a show before the season started. They miss Sean Payton. We do not have a general. We do not have a leader. And a professional football coach is a guy like, uh, for instance, uh, Josh Hill is a very good friend of mine. All right, the former Saint tight end. Okay, great young player. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he, he lives in my area, and him and I are friends. He would tell me stuff about Sean Payton. Like if he had something to do with the family or something, hey, coach, I got something. You go take care of do something with your family. That's a player's coach. A player's coach is a guy that that has, that that loves loves his, his kids. He he his kids will play hard for him. They'll run through a wall for him. But there's always that little thing in the back of their mind where they fear him. You, they, they fear him a little bit. And that's what yeah. Sean Payton is. And Dennis Allen will never be that. And really, it's it's a lost cause this year because they don't have a they're, 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 Dennis Allen's just not the I mean, I think Dennis Allen is the bigger the bigger problem than Jameis Winston. That's my opinion. Well, the, you know, the hope with Allen was that he would grow into the job. And I think the word that you're looking for is alpha male. Yeah. Um, because that was Peyton, right? Win or lose, whatever. Peyton had a presence. This was the alpha. This was the face of the franchise, even more so than Drew Brees, who was the star. You know, Peyton was the guy that, you know, look, he was accountable for that franchise. And, you know, the hope was that, all right, well, you know, give Allen the job. He was a great defensive coordinator, certainly knows his football you know, he'll grow into the role. Yeah, as don't change the culture. We're not going to change the culture of the locker room. As well, soon as Sean Payton walks the out, the culture's different. As soon as Payton walks out the door, the culture's different. Well, that's that, that. That's certainly true. Now, it's only been three games, so there's still maybe time that this evolves into something. But what I've seen from Allen so far, this is a guy who's a coordinator that's trying to be a head coach. Maybe he does grow into that role. I don't know. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's some 
sort of come to Jesus moment that where he's able to step up and, and earn the you know respect of the players that, okay, this guy really is our leader. I mean, in everybody's coaching career, there is that moment. You know, but Allen's been a head coach before, and he didn't have it yeah. with the Raiders. Well, let me tell you this about that. And now the question is, do you have it with the Saints? Let me tell you that something about that. Dennis Allen was the guy that stuck with Demarcus. Uh, uh, who was the guy that went to LSU? Demarcus Russell. Demarcus Russell. He stuck by Demarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. Demarcus Russell was never going to happen. I see a real similarity there between Demarcus Russell and Dennis Allen and uh, uh, Winston. Winston. And and did, did you agree? Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I hope Sorry. I don't. Sorry. Like, I, I hope I don't because it's going to, we're all going to be very sad if it goes down that way. Um, and then, you know, the worst part of this is you don't have a first round draft pick. Yeah. And, um, you know, week- and you, you get all mad that they traded it for Olave, but then again, you watch Olave play and you're like, no, nah, I probably would give that pick for him. Yeah. I just wanted oh, yeah. to. I wanted it to be the twentieth pick in the draft rather yeah. than the first pick. <laughs> oh man, I tell you, uh, this past week, uh, Teddy, it was the first week I had to turn it off. I couldn't mm-hmm. watch it. I just you really turned watch. it off. I really turned Quarter it off. In. Well, I mean, I went back and watched some of the other games on the ticket, but yeah. and then I watched. I followed the Saints game on the ticker, but I never turned it back on. I could not watch it. It was too hard to watch. <laughs> To me, I don't know. And what do y'all, what y'all think about Matthew? I mean, he's been kind of a letdown. Oh, he's too. done. He's done. What do, you, what do you mean, done? He's done. He's done? done. Did he look? Did he ever look worse than that one that pass play? Yeah, he's long in the tooth. He's done. Where Gardner, you got beat? You know, he's no. He's no replacement for Gardner Johnson. Let's let's put it that way. Okay, well, I got one more thing to talk to Scott about. Teddy. What? Now, Scott, you're doing Go all ahead. these shows. All right. Have yeah. you been approached by WL yet? Uh, and, Scoot? and Scoot, who was elected broadcaster of the year, he Gambit Magazine oh. made him the top broadcaster yeah. uh, in the city of New Orleans. And, uh, you know, uh, what do you think of that? Uh, do you know Scoot? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know him. I know who he is. Right. I mean, I, you know, I grew up listening to B97 FM, right? you know, back in the day and he was a DJ in, in that. I like, I don't, I can't, uh, I can't say that I'm like overly impressed with any of the shows on WWL. Um, so he's never invited, you know, you I show. like, no, uh-uh. um, uh, the last time I was on WWL, and this is actually a fairly funny story. Um, was when Garland Robinette had his show. Okay. Um, and, uh, it was back when Bobby Jindal was trying to merge uh, Suno and UNO. You remember right. that? It was like oh, back yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I don't know, 2011 or something. Yeah, I remember. So, um, and they had me on, and I had written like a whole thing about, no, what you need to do is you need to shut Suno down, right? Because at the time they had like a six-year graduation rate of like, <laughs> seven percent or no actually it's five percent and and so i was like this thing is this is an embarrassment to the whole state just Mm -hmm. get rid of it right and so you know and i'm making my case and somebody calls over oh you're just a racist you want to deny black people a college education and so i said well if that were true, I would be a big fan of Suno because it's 95% effective in denying black people a college education. <laughs> and they were, it was, okay, well, we got to go to break. And the, the producers on the, on the other were like, oh, my God, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. They never asked me back on WWL. It's been more than a decade. They've never asked me back. And I was like, I don't regret it because I was right. And that was a hell of a good line. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> really? like, I, I think Garland Robinette like lost his mind when I said that. And that was it. And, you know, so, uh, you know, I mean, John Osterlin, uh had a pretty good show for a while. On yeah, WWL, I liked and I guess he he's on, not there anymore. I thought he was on R&O. He wasn't on WWL. Oh, is that? No, that's right. He was. He's yeah, on yeah. no. And I did right. Osterlin's show, and it was on WWL. Yeah. So never mind. Forget that. Now, when, um, you, when you listened to B97 back in the day, do you remember a disc jockey named Hollywood Harrison? Yes. <laughs> you do? You know, that was Teddy. Yes. You know, that was Teddy. Yeah. Well, know that. I didn't, but good for you, Teddy. That was Teddy. <laughs> I don't know. Why are you not Hollywood Harrison anymore? 
Well, because he's too uh, old. What was wrong with that? Did you did, like you burn that brand or what? He's, pretty much. He's uh, he's uh, oh, okay. He's too old. <laughs> he's, he's too old to play Beyonce records, so that's why he's right. Well, um, and do you, do you remember? Do you remember the Big Gragu? You remember that guy? Sort of, yeah. Okay, well, that that was, he was me. your weekend guy. Well, that was me. Yeah, I was. I wasn't on as much. Oh, you were a big regular. Yeah, well, all right. We both we both worked. You know, worked there a few times, but um, we both worked with Scoot. We did, and um, and we both do a Scoot, Scoot talked to Vic. I think he talked to you. Well, he made like within you know in the in the station you know yeah amongst the staff, but he <laughs> he wouldn't talk to very many. I worked with him at WNOE, as a matter of fact, too. So now we both do before, we, but we both do a scoot impression. Yeah, I'm sure and we're not going to tell you which one is doing it first. So you yeah. tell us which one. We're going to do Scoot A and Scoot B. Okay, and you tell us right. which one sounds the most like Scoot. Okay, so yeah. here is Scoot A. <laughs> Okay, let me try this again. Yeah. I can't laugh. Okay, we're going to have to switch it up. Nobody's okay. laughing. All right. Scoot okay, A. who's going to go B. first? It's Scoot A, Scoot B. Scoot Who B. is it? Here. Okay, here he is. Yeah. Scoot A. I'm Scoot. I never, never hear him. I'm Scoot. Okay, that was Scoot A. All right, now here's, right. here's Scoot okay. B. Hey, Scott, this is Scoot. I'm never going to have you on my program because I think you're too conservative. I like to wear hip like hip. <laughs> Hip high boots and fish like stockings. Fish like stockings. This is good. I'm going to say B is it. I'm going to say B's got it. You just like what he said. Now, I am, look, I am not an I'm expert scoot. on. All right, I'll never do scoot again. No, 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 no. I happen to. I mean, say, I'm not an expert I think, on scoot I think in the Vic's, morning. Okay? Vic's scoot no. is. is no, no, you no. know what a puker is in radio? A puke. Vic, no, no. Scoot doesn't really puke. Let, let me just he say kind this. of whisper let talks. Me, let me just say this. I'll take that victory because I'm yeah. a competitive guy. I'll take <laughs> well, the victory. Okay. But, Teddy, I much prefer your scoot yeah. over mine. I don't think you said enough, is what it was. I, you know, because I keep it, because I can't stay in the character. So I well, you have to embrace the character if you're going to do it on the I'm, show. I'm scoot. Yeah. And here's Scott. Hey, Scoot. Hey, Scott. Scott and Scoot. Hey, I got Scott hey, and Scoot. Scoot on. Scott McKay's here. Hey, Scott. Scott. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Scott's our hey, guest. Guys. And then here's Scoot. Hey, Scoot. How's it going? Hey, pretty good, Scott. I'm Scoot. Now you're Scoot. I'm Scoot. We're all Scoot. Boy, Boy Scoot right, hates. Scott. He hates Trump, huh? Scoot? Jeez. He hates Cantrell and he hates Trump. I know. He hates everybody. <laughs> He hates everybody. And he's not, you, you know what, yeah, what you not. implied. He's not. By what Whatever you, you think, he's not. Said. Don't, don't let the not. wardrobe, don't let the flamboyant wardrobe fool you. Yeah. Scott well. McKay, he's got a great book out, people. Uh, listen. You know, Scott, I like the way you changed your uh, profile picture on Facebook. You changed it to Andy Dalton. Was that this morning? I just yeah, noticed I'm, it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. No, I, I did it in the middle of the game Sunday. I turned into oh, a red okay. rocket. Well, anyway. well, maybe he'll get a chance. What do you? So, real quick though, what do you think? One more game for Winston? Two more games? If they, well, I mean, look, at, at one and three, three he's not you really have no, to. He's not even going to London. He's not playing Sunday. I Dalton's just, playing. He didn't, oh, okay. He didn't even go to London. Oh, well, this is Dalton's this chance. Is it. This wait, is chance. wait, say this that weekend. again. Andy Dalton. Oh, well, oh, so what you you're saying Winston's not going? I didn't heard that. He didn't make yeah, the trip yeah. to England. Oh. He's not there. They've they've been I'll, gone like I, early. They've to been week. gone all week, and unless he shows up last minute, I don't know. But mm, it hasn't no. been announced. Well, what's the line not, on the game? Uh, that I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody know what the line is? Teddy will check it out. Real quick. It up, but it'll take me a while. Honestly, if Dalton's going to start that, that mm-hmm. Saints may be an interesting play if you're in that. Oh, that and they play. They, and they're, they're undefeated in London, by the way. The Saints. I think Are they? they're. Yeah, yeah, I think they're two and zero. In London. So it's uh, okay. Minnesota minus three. So the Saints are getting three points. So it's a catch in three? Yeah. Mm. Listen to him. He's, you know what? I think yeah. Scott does a little, uh, right. a little playing. I mean, yeah. I, I don't usually, but that that's tempting. <laughs> because honestly, you never know, right? I mean, right. Uh, it could be a little kick in the pants. Could be. To change quarterbacks and, and do a thing. Well, I think I for know. sure the game's way too early Sunday morning, 830. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, game, uh, local game, time. Game kicks off nine o'clock New Orleans time. Pre-game starts well, before that. Okay. But um, I, I think I don't think Teddy. I'm going on in the limb by saying that Scott McKay is probably our favorite guest. Um, but you tell everybody that, Vic. No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't say that because I don't. I don't say that. He doesn't. He doesn't. I don't that. say. I, that. Ju- I just said that. And it, I'm, I'm <laughs> His name is Scott McKay. He's not Scoot. <laughs> He's not Scoot. It's the Revivalist Manifesto. 
And it might be the semi-annual political book of the coming year. I mean, right. I'm telling you, it is a great book. It's available on Amazon now, wherever you find all your great books. Scott, appreciate you. You know we love you. You know you know that. And we like you because you, th- you share the show, and sharing is caring. You know, look up his his oh. website. is very is uh, he's got a great website. The, uh, you call it Reviver, right? R-V-I-V-R dot com. R-V-I-V-R dot com. Not to be confused with the uh, punk rock band from Olympia, Washington. Did you know there was a punk rock uh, band with the same name? Yeah. Well, I'm aware of it now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you when you search R V I V R, they both come up. In the last episode, we had this lady on called Princess Beverly, mm-hmm. and she is a expert on the um, royal family. Yes, she is. And uh, so we had to play a version of "God Save the Queen." And guess which one I played? Uh, no. I don't know. The Sex Pistols, baby. Oh, okay. Of course, the Sex Pistols. But anyway, Scott, we appreciate you. We, we love having you on the show because when we do have you on the show, we do get a lot of downloads. And I'm going to promote the heck out of it. I got a new, oh, yeah. new thing doing when I do these videos and they get they get viral views and we're going to get a bunch of downloads. So I think we accomplished something today. And we'll get the technical difficulties uh, straightened out so we can do that StreamYard thing with you next time. Okay, Scott? By the next, Sounds good, guys. By the next time I talk to you, I would have read the book. I promise, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Scott McCabe, people. Later, Scott. God bless you guys. Don't forget, when Thanks you listen to the show, to tell your friends about it. And what's the best way to tell your friends about it is how, Teddy? Tell your friends about the show by sharing the show. Uh, you know, get the link, and uh, whether you're on Apple, whatever, wherever, Stitcher, iHeart, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Tuggle, Tuggle, Taka, Duga. Yeah, any of those platforms. Those and we're, actually, we're on, uh, we're on TikTok now. Stank. All over the road, New Orleans. Instagram all over the road. AOTR New Orleans. Check it out. So, uh, you know, check it, check it out. Check it out. We're everywhere. For my brother broadcasting, Ted Semper, I am Victor Del Giorno, the king of all podcasting, saying it's been fun, but it's time to run. The clock on the wall set. That's all, folks. God bless you. Come on, Coin Trader Studios, we're bringing it live. And who am I? I go by the name of Darkest Night. And Jada Hoyos is the one who brings a sick beat. To which we're getting pumped for topics this week. Cause I need to grab my great soda and take a sip. While I turn it over to Katie, Nick, Ted, and Vic. It's all over. We're all over the road. We got a brand new show, so just lo and behold. From the bayou to the city to the burps to the swamps. You better know what time it is when you're hearing that. I'm planning your weekend trip to New Orleans. Let's go. First things first, you're staying at the Young Hotel. And depending on when you get there, you're going to check in. And then you're going to stop by this amazing pool club at the Virgin Hotel. Like, look at that. Saturday, we're waking up early and we're going straight to the French Quarter. Then you're going to get lunch and, of course, beignets at the Café du Monde. For dinner, we're making reservations at Antoine's restaurant. And you have to order the iconic Café Brulot. Just going to apologize now for my pronunciation. Then Sunday morning before you head home, we're going to stop by Cherry Coffee Roasters. Save this video and tag someone you're going to take with you. All Over the Road, New Orleans is brought to you by Coin Trader Inc. Mind your money.